Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. 
Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I'm going to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. TB, welcome you to another edition. It is a Wednesday with Watson edition of your Tony Basilio show. Watson Brown going to join us here momentarily, and we're looking forward to breaking it down scientifically with the coach. In the meantime, uh, my imitation of the Philadelphia Phillies last night. <coughs> Now that I got that out of the way, I want to welcome Sean Sinclair in the hunt and in the mix with us. Cinco, buenos morning to you. Buenos dias, buenos day. Hope you're well. Buenos midday to you, Tony. And I'm uh, sorry about your Phillies. Uh, I was rooting for them because they uh, beat the beat the Braves. And uh, if I can't win, I want a friend of mine to win. So uh, sorry for that. It's a toughie. Yeah, pretty pretty much sucks. Um, but yeah, licking, licking my wounds, licking our wounds here on a, uh, licking our wounds. And trying to get over the Alabama game. Okay, Sean, four or five days later, the Alabama game, hit it. Well, um, couple of, couple of highlights, certainly the. Certainly, the officiating didn't help, um, but I think that I think our coach and I lo- like you said before. Uh, I love our coach. I want this coach to be great, uh, but I think he's going to have to evolve. And you saw a little bit of that uh, with the win against Texas A and M. Him saying something to the effect of, "Hey, this is kind of neat winning this way. It's been a long time." Well, the the margin for error and the the cost of little mistakes in the Southeastern Conference is extremely uh, 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 punishing. Yep. For uh, whatever the right word is, it, you you there's not a lot of safety net there. There's not a lot of bounce back like in other conferences, and. Um, he is going to have to learn to be uh, a a solid coach as well as a, a as a uh, offense, great offensive mind, 
or he's going to be, or he's going to go the way of how Mummy and not 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 passing away, but Rick Leach and yep. Steve Spurrier, some of these other guys that get beat down by the conference. It's um, uh, Nick Saban has done his part for the past so many years, but the the conference has been a meat grinder before Nick Saban got here. And so I hope he does. Uh, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's uh, calling different plays on fourth and one. If it's if it's uh, punting and living to another day. But another thing that he has to get is you cannot take a quarter or a half off and expect to win a game against a quality opponent. And so, first half against Florida, second half against Alabama. Uh, South Carolina last year. These are these are not it. I mean, it's you saw, you know, Alabama turned it up and with some help, uh, but that's the way it goes. And so, um, in my opinion, we did. We had every opportunity to win that game. We did not deserve that to win that game because we didn't finish it. And there's a saying in boxing: you've got to knock out the champ. You you will not ever outpoint the champ. And take his title. You got to knock him out. And we we had the opportunity, and we shrunk from that opportunity. Love Josh Heupel. Love, love what he's doing. Want him to be here for the rest of my life. Yep. That's for him not against him. For him not against and him. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. But he's not perfect. He is, he's gonna have to. Right. He's gonna have to show us. Uh, he's gonna have to learn some stuff. And <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah. if I could real quick. Yeah. Mike. Mike. <laughs> I think you had something on there earlier in the week that was fantastic, and you were talking about um, uh, Nico and whether it's time or something. But if you scan this team right now, you have a starting offensive line that is senior-laden. Mm-hmm. You have two tight ends that are seniors. <clears throat> you have a quarterback that's a senior. Uh, whether Brew McCoy, I guess Mays could come back, but Brew McCoy could come back or not come back. But on this offense, you're going to have to – I don't know that we can absolutely just count on the transfer market because we're not the only shopper in that store. They're they're literally going to have to go get five day one starters uh, that are good, that are very good. And I'm not sure that's plausible or, or you know, because other, other people are going out and looking for the same thing. So uh, it's time to – you have nothing more to play for. Maybe for a title, that's right. But you have, and I don't say you throw the old guys away, but you got to start preparing for next year or Amen. the next narrative is going to be, well, we're so young. Well, you're so young because you're not putting guys out or you're not Amen. developing guys. Amen. Not a blame. That's just an observation. The truth. Sorry, so wordy. No, and listen, my thing about Nico is, I don't want to like start him, sir. I want to start him any of these games. I, I'm I'm not want to change quarterbacks. That's fine. You play with Joe Milton the rest of the year. Got to give him a series here or there. I was talking with a buddy. That, you guys know how many passes he's thrown this year? Five. Five. 
So we're, we're getting, getting ready to get to November, no, Sean. more than 10 yards. Sean, we're well, getting yeah, ready to get to November. I mean, you can't do that. You've got you to yeah. somehow figure out a way going forward, a series here or a series there, and you just go to Joe Milton and you go, look, man, both of them together in a room, you look them right in the eye and say, look, in the third series tonight, I don't care if we're winning 14 nothing or we're down 14 nothing. you're playing the third series tonight. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying well, to reinvent I, the wheel here. I agree here. with you because you can't. You, you, so what do you your your option is to put uh, your is to put Nico behind a brand new offensive exactly. line, brand new that that don't have experience running your system. Right. That's that is a disaster recipe waiting to happen. Totally agree. So you better have an experienced quarterback that at least knows what it feels like to be out there. Because if you put him out there, and here's what we're hearing. This is why Sean's saying what he's saying. This is why Tennessee's not doing the stuff in short yardage we want them to do. They don't want it, They can't afford any injuries. And the reason they can't afford any injuries in their offensive line is they don't have – people don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. They don't have players. Behind the, guy, the five guys that you see on Saturday – they don't have guys behind them that can play right now. They just don't. Now, could they be players by next year? Maybe a couple of them. But Sean's right. Truth be told, they're probably going to have to, I would say conservatively, three to four of the five of those spots are going to be filled by, and this is conservatively now because it's probably going to be five of five, but three to four of the five, three to four or five, are going to be transfer offensive linemen next year. You've got to get playing time for Nico. You've got to. I'm not here. I don't care about feelings. This is not about Joe Milton's feelings or somebody's feelings. This is a fact now. But that's well put by Sean. So Wednesday's at Watson. He's going to join us. I want to encourage you, speaking of Josh Heupel and just the insanity of it all, a gentleman by the name of Jack in Baltimore went back and looked at Every play that's been run under Josh Heupel since he's been at Tennessee. I mean, this guy's a sicko's sicko. This is a exclusive to us. It's an in-depth study on Josh Heupel's short yardage decisions. And I want to thank Jack and Baltimore for doing it. It's highly illustrative of a coach that almost has no conscience when it goes to when it comes to going for it. I guess what I'm saying is he was going to go for it. If we would have had these numbers beforehand, we would have known in the Alabama game that he was just going to do that because it's just what he does. Now, if Nico's dynamic and your your line can play a little bit next year, can you get away with those things probably a little more than you can now? Sure. Sure. Saturday wasn't the time to do that, though. People say, well, you're being phony because you get on, you get on uh, the coach at Texas A&M for being centenary. Well, those are two different things. Coach at A&M is centenary and half dead to the world. Our guy's nuts. No offense to him. And when you have Hendon Hooker and those wide receivers and that, and that really great offensive line last year, you can be nuts can't be crazy with this team and so i would encourage you to check out the in-depth study that jack in baltimore has done uh for instance he, he he says fourth and seven or less ball on tennessee's own 45 yard line 
and he studies it all the way to the opponent's goal line. He breaks it down incrementally. But own 45 to your opponent's 35, and how many times do you go for a field goal? How many times do you go for it? Um, when Heupel has fourth and one or less, six or six times he's going for it, even on his side of the field. Fourth and two or less, six of six. Fourth and three or less, five of six. And the one was the punt against A&M. Fourth and four went for it one of two times. Fourth and five went for it four or four times. Fourth and six went for it two or four times. And fourth and seven even went for it two of seven, two and two of five times. So when Tennessee's between their own 45 and their opponent's 35, they've gone for it every single time on fourth and two or less. And when you go all the way out to fourth and five, if you widen the scope out that much, 22 of 24 times they're doing it. And really without conscience. And I agree with Sean. Look, sometimes when you're playing poker, the best play, well, many people know this that have chips at the end of the night, is to put your cards down. The inexperienced player, he wants to play every hand. You play every hand, you're going to get rocked. You're, you're playing against Nick Saban. He's a pretty good card player. Nathan, Saban's pretty good at it. We've kind of ascertained on here, maybe we're ascribing too much to Saban and his, and his uh, coaching staff, but they noticed that our up man pointed up in the air early in a kickoff, and I think he pointed that out to somebody. Somebody on his staff pointed that out to him. He alerted the officials. They waited for the exact time to pull that kick out after they scored and did it again. And he pointed up in the air, and they called us for it. You're playing against a pretty good poker player. He's got really good players, by the way. It's not a vintage Alabama team. It's not a great Alabama team. But they have pretty good players. Wednesday with Watson coming up. I want you to I want to encourage you to check that out. We'll talk about it later today. Is Hypel too wide open? I'd say with this team he is. You know. At least for my taste on Saturday. Saturday he should have gotten burned twice doing it. I mean that's the thing about it. Went for it, didn't get it. Went for it again, didn't they, those weren't even close to successful tries. I'm not be, belaboring a point here, but Jack in Baltimore did the work, did the research for us. Watson Brown pops in. We do it all. Check out tclub.team today, and we'll come back on the other side. It's Wednesdays with Watson after this. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert! Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler Dodge Jeep or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. 
This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Baird's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trawood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. 
Hey gang, Carl Wayne Meekins here. I want you guys to come out and see us live on Veterans Day, 11 11 23, 7 p.m. Guitar and Cadillac Hall that sits right on top of Puckett's in Columbia, Tennessee. Got a huge lineup for you. We've got Troy Kemp, Katrina Burgoyne, myself and my band, and then the legend Jimmy Wayne's gonna come in for a few songs. Gonna be a big night in Columbia, and Columbia ain't gonna be the same. Okay, so get your tickets at eventbrite.com, the Guitar and Cadillacs, Carl Wayne Meekins. We'll see you there. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. You bow your head when you say his name, because ladies and gentlemen, it's a dance craze sweeping the nation. It isn't the Gator, but it's Wednesdays with Watson, the great Watson Brown now joining on the program. Watson Brown, I love you. It's always good to talk with you. Hope you're having a great day. And uh, you texted me after Tennessee's first drive the other day, and you said the following, and I'm just going to share this with the living listener. You said, uh, and, and I just want folks to know that Watson thinks a lot of our coach. He said, Tony, quick throws and deep throws, exactly what I thought Josh would do with Joe today. Very smart coaching. Why he's one of the best offensive guys around right now. Hey, Watson, um, the way that game started and the way that thing went to halftime, Tennessee looked like they were in incredible shape. But let's talk about the great stuff, Watson, as I welcome you in. They did early in that game. Yeah. Tony, it, it was a, they played a great first half, and and they did what they do really well. And um, they would throw the, the little quick throws out there. Alabama was playing with six and five in the box. Honestly, near copied Florida. They near copied Florida. And uh, they're, they're, they're hitting the quick throws. Uh, they're running the ball solid. Um, not great, but solid. And, uh, and, then they'd hit, and then they'd hit a deep throw. And... Uh, you know, the deep throw, Tony, happens quicker. People think I'm nuts, but I'm telling you. The deep throw happens quicker sometimes than those high-low square in, drop it down to the underneath guy happen. Because sometimes you've got to wait for the little little zone opening to flip it in or you got to dump it down, and those things take sometimes longer than the deep throws. And the deep throw doesn't have any... Any reads to it, you're, you're gonna you're gonna fake it and, and and you're laying it up and you're going for it. Even though the touchdown pass to Squirrel that was a unbelievable catch, uh, he's done it two games in a row. That ball was way late, uh, and it, it just it was it was thrown late. He had a linebacker on Squirrel basically, and he had the one on one, and he, it was a wheel route. And the outside guy ran a post, and, and Squirrel ran a wheel route. He's got he's got a guy that can't cover him, and, but he nearly threw that so late he couldn't make the play. So it was a little bit of a sign of what to come. But they started that game, and then the play that I loved at the end of the half was there was a, Alabama didn't blitz them hardly at all in the game, and uh, they ran an all-out blitz right before the half to make them maybe lose a little ground to kick a field goal and. And Joe saw that perfectly and let the ball go on time. When he lets the ball go on time, 
he can play. And he let the ball go. There's a free guy coming right at him, Tony. And he's backpedaling, hits his back foot. It, that's a hard thing to do, but a quarterback can do it. Your, your weight's going backwards. You hit your back foot and immediately transfer your weight back forward. And he let that ball go to the back of that end zone on a corner route, on a pick corner route. It was a wheel corner is what I call it. They, the tight end got picked clean by the inside receiver, and, and he was wide open. And it was beautiful. It was the prettiest play in the world. And then the second half, they just couldn't get it done. Yeah, the, the second half is interesting because obviously you guys, when you have the headsets on, you're always going to get second-guessed, and you're used to that. Oh, Lord. You don't know how much you second-guess yourself. Really? Yeah, I promise you, you can be on an airplane coming back from your ball game to get home. And and you, you I, I've second guessed myself a thousand times, even in wins. I say, dang, we shouldn't, have, we should have done this or we should have done that. Yeah. So a fan second guessing to me doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, because we do it to ourselves. The decision to go there, we've talked all week. A lot of people say, well, the decision to go on fourth down, they got burned twice at midfield. The first time it, in the first half, they ended up getting an interception on a tip in the back of the end zone. So they were fortunate to dodgeable. Yeah, got, got away with it. Second one. They did lose field position now. You say they get away with it, but you probably lost 40 yards. That's right. The second you one. You probably now, lost 40 yards of field position. That's a good point. Now. That's a good point. And, and, and an away game with a crowd like that, I mean, that's big. I don't care what you say. That's big. Yeah, Sean Sinclair a few minutes ago was saying, look, we're rooting for this young coach, but you can't coach that Alabama game down there like you're coaching against, you know, a different opponent in your stadium. That's like a different type of deal. Do you think Josh adjusts, or do you think he just continues to go for it without conscience in these games? Nah, he's, he's too sharp. He's, he, he's on a plane coming back saying, I, sh- I absolutely shouldn't have done that. He won't say that publicly, but he knows. He knows, and until they get better, one of the one of their weaknesses, and it was last year, Tony. We talked, you and I talked about this on the air last year, and Sean. Uh, they were not a good third and fourth down and short yardage team last year. They got a little better at it as the year went on. But when you're a spread team, and then all of a sudden you want to jump in those real tight sets, you better practice that a lot and be very good at it if you're going to get in a critical time like that. And, and and getting those tight sets, and they did it in both situations. They went to tight formations. When you line up in those, you better be able to knock them back and, and, and make the yardage. And uh, they weren't able to do it. He's He's got to do one of two things, and that is uh, when I'm playing somebody as good as me and Alabama was as good as him, Alabama's not better than them. They're as good as them. But when you're playing somebody as good as you, you better know you can make those if you're going to go for them. And I'm not I'm not talking about looking at a sheet of paper that says uh, percentages say. I'm talking about my guy can beat their guy. And if you feel that, go for it. And if you don't, punt that ball down the field. And I promise you, that's what he's got to take looks at is is uh, could he can he do that in the next big game. And if you can't, if you don't feel good yourself that your players can make those plays for you, you've got to punt the ball. 
obviously they need to punt that ball there because they're never. Yeah. Well, well, look. If you well, and and they weren't and yeah. they weren't going up and down the field running the ball, Tony. No, they weren't. They, they were was not. Taken away the from Alabama. Them. The shock of the game wasn't the calls that he made or the officiating. The shock of the game for me was how Alabama could line up with five in the box and six in the box and and stop Tennessee. That was the shock of the game for me. I didn't think they would be able to do that. They ne- we talked about Nick last week. He will not let you. He'll bring people. Well, he didn't have to. He never had to do that because they had the running game under control, and uh, Tennessee don't want to get three and four yards of play. They want to get big big hunks on plays, and they were not able to do that in the ball game. And then when they started having some of those illegal procedures, which happen on the road in these big stadiums, um, and then you get behind the chains, it gets tough. And that's the surprise to me that Alabama could control the Tennessee running game when Texas A&M could not with the same number of people in the box. It's Wednesdays with the great Watson Brown. Uh, Sean Sinclair, jump in here with him. Go ahead. Coach, again, my pleasure to be here with you today. Um, before you came on, we were talking about something, and I would like your opinion as a head coach. Tennessee likely will will not have some of the same goals going forward if they did uh, a week ago or even before the season. So when we take a look at the offense for next year, uh, all of our offensive linemen are seniors. The two tight ends are seniors. Honestly, Brew McCoy has a decision to make. And we don't have a whole lot proven besides the running backs uh, coming next year. Now, do you, is this the time when you start getting Nico in there a little bit? Do you start, even if they're not ready, some of these younger offensive linemen in there, some of these younger, I'm just saying wholesale changes, because if you don't, and you don't win the every single transfer portal uh you know, competition for offensive linemen, you're taking a look at a brand new starting quarterback against a brand, I mean, with a brand new starting lineup with brand new tight ends and unproven wide receivers next year. That does not sound uh, particularly sound to me. Well, that's a tough call, Sean, um, because what's happened in our world uh, is with with the, with the playoffs and everything now that your thought process. So if you got to go to the Orange Bowl in the past, you it was a hell of a year. Now you can go to an Orange Bowl and it don't mean as much. And because if you don't win your division and you're not in the SEC championship and you're not still hanging around to go to the national championship, it, 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 it fans look at it differently. So he as a coach has got to decide. Uh, if if we go ten and two, and get to go to one of the top bowls, is, is that worth it to keep fighting this fight? I don't think he will yet, because there's way too many games left on the table. If Florida were to beat Georgia this weekend, it changes everything. Uh, Missouri is another factor that uh, people have got to beat, and so. I don't think it's over just yet. Uh, there's three pretty daggum good teams, and Florida is not, but yet they, they seem to hover around and beat you at an opportune time. So I'm not, I think Georgia's totally different without that tight end, man. I don't care what they say, I think they're different. 
And uh, I watched them against Vanderbilt, and they were much better than Vanderbilt. But they weren't the same without that kid. And uh, they'll get better, but I just don't think it's over just yet. Now, when it's over and they are completely out of it, late in the year you may start seeing them more. But I don't think right now. I do not. I think they're still playing for a lot of marbles, and in their minds, this thing's long from over just yet, and uh, they got to go beat Kentucky. If they lose to Kentucky, yeah, you'll start seeing it happen. But as long as they keep winning, I don't think you're going to see a change at quarterback just yet. You know, not to get ahead or something yeah. to put him in, or if they were to get down yeah. and put him in, yes. But to put him up there in the heat of the game, I not, I don't think he will just yet. And I can't say what I'd do if I'm sitting there, but I'm just sitting here saying what I think he'll do, and I don't think he will. I advocate, and I think what Sean's getting at is a series every once in a while. Like, you sit down yeah. with those two guys, you know, before the game, this game, for instance. You say, hey, third series – Nico's going to play. And, Nico, if you get on the field and score, you're not staying in. I mean, we're just doing this to get you some time here, and we're going to run a package and just get you acclimated to the speed of what's going on. You, you don't even like that idea, Watson? I, I'm, I, like I say, if I'm sitting in his shoes, I'd have to know more thought in my mind and where we are for next year and who's coming in already that they know. And I, There's so many things I'd look at, but I wouldn't be against that. Um, I would not be against that one. But to put him in and to start him now, no, I just don't think Josh is going to do that. And and uh, I don't think I would either. Joe had some good moments the other day, uh, but guys, he still he he still lets balls go too late. The play that cost them the, the finish the game off was the fumble for a touchdown. And he's a half a second late in letting that ball go. Half a second. But in in throwing a football, you want to be, we all, I practice 2.5 all the time. And I I would blow a whistle if my quarterback hadn't let it go in pass skills and practice at 2.5. Well, basically, when you're really good, it's about 2.75 when you're really on time in a ball game. And he's probably 3.25 on that play. Can you imagine that little small a time? But that was the difference in him letting it go and then getting hit or, let, or getting hit as he's letting it go. And uh, they've got to speed him up. He's got to get rid of the ball quicker than he gets rid of it. So interesting. All this inside stuff Watson you know, Brown um, sharing with us. Go ahead, Brian. Jump in here. One thing that you could be risking is if, Joe Milton goes out there and has a game where he's led three straight scoring drives and has a lot of momentum. Who cares? Would that be could that no. be a problem? No, by t- not if you've managed. Would you be worried about Brian? About, you've managed uh, that on the front end. That? No, you've managed on the front end. If you do what I'm advocating, you say the third series. Okay, so it's fourteen nothing. He goes in. As long as you manage the expectations, I, I, this is me, Watson. I want to hear what you have to say. In my world. In corporate America, in anything, if you're managing anybody, as long as I manage the expectations of what's about to happen, I'm controlling the narrative here. But yeah. Brian says, "What about slowing down the momentum?" Brian wants uh, to play that out. Well, you're with a guy right. that showed very little momentum all year. But go ahead, uh, Watson. Yeah, you're, you're you're both right, and the human aspect comes into play in this. I've, I've done this before. 
I've said, okay, I'm going to put this quarterback in in the third series. Well, the, the game is not great at the time. You don't want it to get away from you. you I mean, you, you second-guess yourself even in that. So Brian's right. You're right in that if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it, Tony. You're dead right. And that's what I always said. But I can remember before where it's the guy's time to go in. He's a true freshman. I think he's going to be a good player. And the ball's on the two-yard line coming out. And you're going, oh, my God. Now i got to put him out here, a fumble snap, a you know, it's, it's so many things come into play during the game that you don't anticipate by saying, put him in in the third series since when he's going to play. But you're right, Tony. If you're going to do it, that's the way you got to do it. Because what happens if you don't do it that way? Then you never put him in. Because it's always, oh, gosh, we got the ball on there 25. We need this score. We don't need a trial and error right here. I gotta put my, my guy back out there. I gotta put him up. I'll put the game in the next series. And before you know it, you've gotten to halftime and you hadn't played. And I've had that happen before. So it's funny to listen to both of you talk. Cause I've, I've been on both sides of this deal. And it's really hard to make it work. It really is. Yeah, it's hard. And, and, and we were saying before, like, talking about just how little experience. This kid's only thrown five passes and we're about to hit November. And generally, at a place like Tennessee, you assume, oh, you're going to get all kinds of mop-up duty opportunities. But even in your one double-A game, it was a football game. I mean, it never no, they, presented itself this year, this year. Yeah, you're, to- you're totally right, Tony. This year, these, they, there hadn't been those games. Last year, there were some of those. This year, there hadn't been those games, which tells you they're, they're, they're not as good on offense because they're not scoring as many points, and so these games yeah. are closer. Yes. And, uh, but you're dead old. Last year they could have done this. Easy. Uh, they had many games where they were up and could have put him in a series in the third quarter and then gone back with him if they'd wanted to. And, but this year it's, it's, it's been a lot tougher because every game, win or lose, both games they've lost in the SEC on the road, that, that, they could have easily won both of those games. Underwing, just, as yeah. easy, just as easy as they lost them, they could have won both of these. Under wings with Watson Brown on a Wednesday. It's under wings Wednesday with Watson Brown. I and he takes us under wings here. Watson, let's go inside. <laughs> I don't we, know about we, that. I, I tell you a lot of things that I did wrong, so that way it it, it can add to what you're talking about here. So that's what let, happens. Let's talk about the hypocrisy. Maybe not. And what's going on at Michigan? You know, Michigan has this thing where they pretend like they're different. They have this saying, a Michigan man, and, you know, whatever that means. And, uh, boy, Michigan, a Michigan man has gotten caught with his hand in the cookie jar. The question is, how big's the cookie jar? Is it a cookie jar that a lot of other head coaches reach into? Or the latest is that this young staffer, uh, is a guy who um, was going out and scouting potential playoff opponents, even dating back to last season. So they have a they have a system where it wasn't him going to games, but he even had a network of people. And do you think that sort of thing goes on, or do you think these guys at Michigan are really cheating? I don't think it goes on like that today. Uh, I don't. 
And so I, this 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 is the exception more than the norm. But Tony, let me go back. I said this up to you off the air. In the old days, you did this legally. When I first started coaching, the the we the staffs there would be a guy go to the game prior to the team you're playing and scout them. Now you couldn't go in with a camera and video the <laughs> signals and then try to tie it to the play or whatever you. But you could go scout the game legally. They did away with that. I don't know when. It's been a, quite a while because I don't. I, I don't remember as a head coach ever doing that. So uh, that means it was even before I became a head coach, and that was 1979 when I first became a head coach. So, um, but they're doing something. Michigan's doing what we everybody used to be able to do, but you can't anymore. And knowing the defense that's coming or the play that's coming on offense is a major advantage. And I tie it right to this Astros thing in baseball. It's exactly the same deal. And uh, when you know the pitch that's coming, whether it's a fastball, a slider, a curve, whatever, uh, you should be a better hitter. And I, I can tell you, when we would get signals during games of somebody, and I can tell you that happened. We would get them. I'm sure they got them off us. But when I, when we could get a defensive signal from somebody during a game and just sitting there watching from the press box or from the sidelines and and seeing an all-out blitz and then you watch the signal, then you saw that blitz, you look for that signal again, by golly, when you knew that was coming, we got a whole lot better on offense in some of those games when that happened. And so that's the legal part. You can do it during a game. You can put eyeballs on them. That's why you see all these teams put these these curtains up and all of that, five guys down there signaling. You're doing everything in your power to keep that from happening because you know it's a big advantage. But when you can go watch it in the stands and probably video it or whatever, I don't know that that's come out. But I wouldn't doubt that's what was happening. And you video the the signal, and then you've got the play right there with it, then you learn what that signal is, and as soon as you see it on game day, and these guys, that it fits perfect to this, Tony, when you're sitting there as a no-huddle team, which most everybody is now, and you sit there and you fake snapping the ball, then you look over at your coach, the coach has seen the signal, he signals in the perfect play for that defense, that's a pretty good gig you got going on right there. Well, couldn't they just change plays, change signals, though? Switch up signals yeah. every few games? Yeah. Coaches are the paranoidest people in the world. And I was one of them. I, I, if I had a staff member that had ever been on my staff that's on the team I'm playing that week, and it was four years ago, and yet he was on the staff, I'd change signals that week. Uh, so, yeah, coaches do that, and they should be doing that. You should not just leave all signals. But defensive guys seem to leave their signals more than offensive. Offensive people are a lot more paranoid than defensive people. I can tell you that. I don't know why that is, but we were. And I was always an offensive guy. But the, the offensive coach is a lot more paranoid than the defensive coach about that kind of stuff. Which one's more important to have, Watson, in a game, the offensive signals or the defensive signals? 
if you've got a defensive signal and you flat know what's coming and it's an all-out blitz or it's a three-man rush and play this cover, that, that's a major advantage, Tony, a major advantage. Even at the worst, if you signal the quarterback what's coming and you'd already called your play, but you tell your quarterback, here, here comes all-out blitz, and he knows where he's supposed to go with the ball if it's an all-out blitz. If he knows that prior to the ball being snapped, that speeds up here. We're talking about Joe being a little late letting balls go. That would speed Joe up if he knew those type of things. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, I think it's a major advantage to the offensive side. Michigan has really been winning. Apparently since this kid's been there and they've been doing this, their record is completely different. Now, obviously, they've gotten better players. Some are saying, though, that it's not commensurate with the recruiting they've done, the way they've been winning. And let it be said, the only team last year that they've determined that they didn't pre-scout heading into that playoff was TCU, who beat them in a playoff game and went up and down the field on them. They did not slow TCU down, uh, not even a little bit. Sean Sinclair, you you had something you wanted to add to the conversation. Go ahead. Sean, are you there? Unmute yourself if if you uh, want to add something here. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. To streamline this, this is not, this does not have to be a huge operation either. You can get, as Coach said, we back in the day, we you'd have a manager that would that would track the game, offense and defense. You'd write down the play, and then you would, you know, then you would do down and distance, et cetera. Then back in the back in the um, uh, back of the deal, you'd have a in the complex, you'd have. Uh, they take tapes. A GA or an assistant coach would cut tapes up, and they called them cut ups, et cetera. Now, you don't have to do all that stuff. Everything is automated, and if you had all you'd need to do would be to have somebody record the sidelines, and as coach says, re- just record the signal somehow, some way. It could be matched up to the millisecond to what's going on in the field. You are given. Each, the reason you don't have so much in-person scouting now is everybody's agreed that we will trade in-zone angle film, we'll trade uh, angle, you know, uh, sideline film, et cetera, and it's standardized. But they have programs now where a GA or uh, they have so many of these analysts now can plug in and you put little bitty ticks on each one, third and three, third and four, three, four, third and four and a half, out the wind, et cetera. And then instantaneously you can have the whole season or three season analyzed uh, with, you know, a guy puts his right hand in the air and this happens, this happens. It doesn't take a whole lot for a computer to come up with tendencies. And then, like Coach says, then you do know or you are a lot more likely to know which pitch is coming. It's a huge advantage. Are they cheating? Are they cheating Watson or gaining an edge? What are they doing here? That's cheating. This is cheating. You can't send the guy. You cannot send the guy now on the road and do that. Because there was a uh, somebody. If he did that during the game on the sidelines, and by halftime he'd figured out a signal, and he's not videoing anything. He just you got to use your eyes. You can't video anything. That's illegal. and and if he just sits there and he does that, and by halftime he said, "Coach, when when this defensive guy does this, this this is coming. That's well, very legal. It's that's alleged. Coach, legal. you can do that with a phone now. That's right. You can just you can just like people 
That's we'll right. get the kids to go into a camera. movie theater and bootleg a movie and put That's it right. on the internet. That's right. You can all it takes is you to give a guy a hundred bucks, buy him a ticket. He can sit there with his phone with an yeah, app or two. And you can record it's, everything. It's, it's it's doable, but that is illegal. Here's what used to happen, guys. When when I first started going no huddling would 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 go fast, and uh, we were a, I always wanted to be a team. And this was way back, Tony. I always wanted to be a team that did the extremes. I wanted to be a line up in a wishbone look or line up no backs because those are two very different formations that you got to make you can't run your base defense against mm-hmm. so i always wanted to make people have to do something different and not be able to run their base defense that mm-hmm. was the philosophy that i always used well when you when you've got a check let's say we're lined up in free backs and we'd shift to no backs and we'd check then the defense would have to check well all you got to do is watch the signal from the secondary or the linebackers they'll tell you what they're checking to and then by halftime, we'd know what the check was, and we would be able to call plays to know what they're going to be in. And so this kind of stuff goes on. That's getting an edge, in my opinion. But to do it in a cheating way like Michigan has is uh, – I'll be surprised if this has been – we hear all this, but if it's been proven, I'll be surprised if Coach makes it till the end of the year with this going on. This, this is – this is a bad deal, if that's the case. A really bad deal. He's trying to act like yeah. he had no knowledge of it. Oh, gracious. I mean, come on. These guys are such control freaks. I mean, they, uh, he can tell you what that kid had for lunch, let alone uh, 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 how much film the kid had. I mean, give me a break. You know how these people are. Believe me, if I'm the head coach back when I was a head coach and that had happened, I'd know it. Good or bad, I'd know it. So I can't go there for him. I can't say I just can't believe that. I mean... You, your offensive staff all would know it. And you, if the staff knows it, then the head coach has got to know it. I mean, I saw players, I saw a video of one of their games where they're all holding up one finger and pointing at the sky. Players were, which meant, I guess, pass. It's, it's a pass. Um, the head coach wouldn't know all that's going on. No, he'd have to know that. I always love, uh, it's kind of like when Patino got caught in one of his recruiting deals and he blamed it all on his assistants. You really learn about people, though, through those scandals, whether a guy takes blame or you're going to let some underling, you know, kind of ruin his career at the front end of his career. An interesting side note on this, somebody grabbed a screen grab that Laura showed me last night off one of the websites here that covers Tennessee called VolQuest, Brent Hubbs' site, and there was a somebody posting in there who said, hey, I know a guy who's on Michigan staff, and they're scouting us, and they're scouting yeah. other teams, and they're going to these stadiums, and, here, and he, like, laid it out, and here's what they're doing. If that guy knew, you going to tell me Jim Harbaugh didn't know? I mean, come on no, now. And that, and, and, and come on now. People can't keep their mouth shut. Somebody's going to brag. It's that's right. He was bragging to his friends. Game yeah, game I know the guy. They, he said, I know the they, guy. This guy This guy can't even keep his mouth shut. That's they, right. That, that guy can't keep quiet because he's, he's proud of himself, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the middle well, he, of it. He says, now, don't you tell a soul this happened. <laughs> yeah, okay. So great. <laughs> oh, man. Watson, no, how the, it, this, yeah. this thing ain't over yet, guys. Just watch it. I, I'll be very surprised if Coach makes it. Through the year. I back to this Tennessee thing. 
this weekend, we had a guy from Kentucky yesterday, right? And he's like, man, they're, yeah. they're passing games ratchet. Their offensive line's not very good. Their defensive yeah. line's not getting pressure on anybody. Uh, he said the team looked, the last time they were on the field, looked absolutely lifeless. This is Larry Vaught's been there for a long time. And, and he just yeah. kind of, he, he's, he's been there too long to care. He just tells the truth. And, and he said, you know, I just don't see any way Tennessee doesn't win this game and win the game convincingly Saturday. He thinks that that coach saying what he said about his kids was not good at all, about how he needs to Yeah, he, he just does not think that's good at all. Um, what is your read on this ball game coming up? I, I think Tennessee will have to blow this one. They would have to blow it by making a ton of mistakes. They're better. This is the first team they've played. This team's worse than South Carolina, and and uh, they they'll have to blow this one. And when I think Tennessee, they, they'll be able to get back and get back to their style. But when somebody like Alabama, who's equal to them, not better, they're equal to Tennessee. If that game had been in Knoxville, we would be talking about victory today. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. But they were in Tuscaloosa. They didn't have a great second half. But the thing that happened that he's got to get past, I think, that I saw, is when somebody tells you to run it, and you're running it, but not just great, he's got to leave the RPO because the RPO is telling you to run it. It's telling you not to throw it. He's got to go to play-action pass at that point. And he's got to, even if there's five in the box, those linebackers have got to be still sucked up to the run, and then you got to get the ball in there in those zones and behind it. So I would bet you that Tennessee starts doing a lot more play-action pass than I've seen them do because that's the next step to when you're just running it for three and four. And and uh, and when they get the long yardage, they're like a lot of teams. They're not great at it. That's not Tennessee's bag. Uh, so they've got to take care of it before they get to that point, and I think you're going to see the play-action pass become more of a piece than it was. It was a play-action pass for a touchdown to Squirrel the other day. Yes, That was a play-action pass wheel route, and they got to do more of that but run more of those square-in type patterns and, and be able to still throw the ball when they're, just, when they're telling you to run it. you still got to be able to throw it, and you can. It's not numbers in the box. It's how they react to the – faking the ball to a back and then still getting the ball in behind that some. You know, and you say that the reason that catch was so spectacular in the end zone over that linebacker is the ball was let go late, or it's kind of an easier <laughs> touchdown, right? It was late. It was late, and he had to make a play in a very small area. If he had thrown that a half a second, and I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about a couple of seconds, guys. I'm talking about a half a second late. That, isn't that amazing? that we're talking those preciseness and passing the football, yeah, yeah. but that's absolutely what passing the football is all about. It's timing and spacing. And if the timing is late, the spacing is off. And now all of a sudden you've got a very small area to catch a ball in, and especially those big splits. Now, they weren't big splits when they ran that. They were normal splits. And uh, But but the, but the, the, he was near out of bounds, and now, now Squirrel's got to make a great catch. And he did. Hey, Watson, one other thing on short yardage. You know, everybody wants Tennessee yeah. to run this play that the Eagles run, and they ran it one time earlier in the year and were successful with it against Virginia. And a lot of other teams are starting to implement this deal, you know, where you get everybody big and you kind of 
do the inertia thing. And you got a guy that's 6'5", back there at quarterback, who's certainly strong enough to, to push a pile. I hear that one of the impediments for Tennessee, because I, I drilled down on this, but I had a source tell me this as well. And so I, I've since looked into it. They decided that with Cooper Mays' injury, the, the triple hernia deal, they do not want to invite a mass of humanity falling on their center that, that a play like that invites. Because basically what you're doing is you're bringing everybody into the box at that point, and it's like yeah. a big dog pile in there. D- d- yeah. Does that make sense to you as, as a coach, yeah, it, as somebody that coached a game? It does make sense, but I think I think so much of this is the linemen for the, for the Eagles are big, so big and strong and they really can move their feet and they can push it out. But I think the difference in the play, and we're all copycats. When something works, everybody wants to do it. Right. And so everybody's trying to do this now. You don't realize how strong Jalen Hurts is in his legs. This kid is a massive squatter. I mean, he can throw up what anybody in the world. Yeah, 675 He is in his hips and legs, guys. And if you watch, his feet are always moving. And I watch these other guys try it. I watched the Vikings try it the other night with their, with cousins. Well, it looked awful. You got my so legs. It's not, it's not just yeah. design. It's who's doing it. Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you, that's why they're so good. They've learned how to push him. If you watch them, they wait till he decides where he's going. Jalen picks his spot. And it might be off the left guard. It might be straight up the center. But they don't push till Jalen has picked his spot. Then Jalen's feet are moving. The, all those linemen don't just fall to the ground. Their feet are moving. And then those two guys that are pushing on him are pushing on him up in his rib area. They don't get down close to his feet because they don't want to trip him. And so they've got it down. They know what they're doing. But I think the big piece is Jalen Hurts. Go find you a quarterback that can squat that, then do it. <laughs> hey, what? Watson, thank you, brother. Great talking to you, man. Glad to talk to you guys. It's an honor every week. On your TLD Logistics hotline, online at tldlogistics.com. I want to thank Watson Brown for joining on the program. Again, TLD Logistics online, tldlogistics.com. And one thing Sean said about the Eagles, and he's probably right, is last year in that Super Bowl, it's almost like, Sean, when they do that, when the Eagles want to get that first down they're going to, it's almost like they could do that going all the way down the field if they really wanted to. It looks like it's borderline unstoppable at this point. Mike, you know, I sat there and was worried because it, it seemed like they didn't, they had four downs every time. I know everybody has four downs, but most people choose to punt. Yeah. You guys had four downs. It was unstoppable. It was almost like when Florida had Tebow. You just you you weren't going to stop that guy with a guy in front of him, and uh, I'm 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 glad that uh, it worked out in the Chiefs' favor. But boy, I don't know. I think there's I think it's a lot of hurts, but I think it's a lot of that formation too. Because we think, look at you seen it before. You sit there and watch the. I guess the refs have been told don't blow the whistle till the absolute second because I think I I think a, a pack of linemen could move a guy all the way down the field. Truly. In one play, unless he stumbles. Well, the other night they needed, um, they were on their own like 24 against that Dolphins team. And, that, and you know, that defense is sitting there going, oh, man, here it comes. They're on 24 now. 
And, and this is a game. This is late in the game. This is like a, it's like a, I guess it's a one and a half or two score game, but the Eagles trying to put the game away. They would have done it anyway. They were going to punt, and then he calls timeout, and Jalen Hurts over there, why are you punting? It's fourth and like maybe one and a half. I mean, what are you doing? So they, so they go for it. They get like four yards. I mean, it wasn't even close. They're, they're way past the sticks. Um, Eric, uh, Eric Waddell's in here now. He's a surprise uh, a visitor with us. Eric, let me ask you something as I introduce you. You played offensive line. This, this thing I'm getting from Tennessee, uh, which is they don't want to hurt that center. Uh, they don't want to risk injury to him because they don't trust anything else that they have. If they get him hurt, I mean, they know that their season's up in smoke. Plus, they want to protect him anyway because he's coming off a triple hernia deal. Does that wash with you as to why they won't try that formation again with him on the field? Yes and no. With him on the field, perhaps, yes. You know, we had, before he came back, we did have another guy playing center. Ollie. And it just seems like there are certain situations when you need that type of play, I think that I think you make a switch, you know, and and allow up or the former starter, however you want to. But they don't sub, eh? To come out and be that guy. But that's how we play. We don't sub. We're back to this again. I mean, that's just how we play. I know. Yeah, but that but that's the call you got to make as a head coach. And if you're afraid to run something because heaven forbid you substitute. It just seems like if you want it to work, short yardage situations like that, and and we have this discussion a lot of times, you know, on 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 Twitter or we have it on uh, when we text each other. But I just don't. It's it's hard to see the logic of I need to get six inches, so I'm going to set up six or seven yards off the ball. And try to, you know, it, it gives the defense that time to react. Well, Sean, you weren't here for a lot of that conversation on our post game. People were like, after you got off, Sean, they were like, well, he's gambling and you're getting on him for gambling. Sean, snapping a ball seven yards deep to, uh, Jalen, uh, to, uh, to, uh, I was calling Jalen Hurts, to, uh, Joe Milton is not gambling. It's dumb. I mean, it's never going to work, Sean. That's never going to work. Not today, well, not tomorrow, not Sunday. It's just not going to work. Well, the way it's set up is, and they, we talked about this two or three weeks ago, and I made the comment you in frustration it. after the yes. game of, why do we keep bringing everybody into, you know, a, a little concentrated area, which brings all the defenders in the same area? And, uh, you know, it didn't get, when we were talking about it, it didn't get much discussion at that, but... I could, you're playing into their favor, the defense's favor. You're just getting more bodies into a smaller area. And then you snap the ball whatever yards back to a guy, and then his running back is not in front of him. He's at least the same or behind. And so the whole time is a linebacker who's two to three yards off the ball is just standing up. There's no, There's nothing to read. You can see what's happening. I just I I it's don't not gambling. Get that. No, it's not gambling. At this point, it's it is utter stupidity. And we continue with more on the others. It's like my Phillies uh, three best hitters going one for twenty seven in the last two games. 
It's stupidity. And that freaking Castellano guy, I mean, why don't you swing at another pitch that you need a telephone pole to hit, man? Why don't you swing at another pitch? It's 50 feet outside, you damn overpaid clown. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the garbage man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. 
Hey Columbia, this is Sabian Beard with the Columbia Noon Rotary Club with some information and an invitation for you. If you don't already know about Rotary, it's an organization over 100 years old that focuses on service in the community, service through vocation, and service to the next generation. Many of our community figureheads participate in the local Rotary Clubs, and we need your help. Our main fundraiser for our service projects is the legendary Pancake Day, held on Saturday, November 11th from 6 to 4. Tickets are $10 for one or $25 for three, and may be purchased at the door or from any Noon Rotary member. Help us continue to serve your community and enjoy a splendid breakfast with your neighbors. See you there. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. T to the BBBBB, back with you. Hour two. Wednesdays with Watson was a rousing success today. Tell a friend. I love Watson Brown. He's fantastic. We are going to be live at Calhoun's. On the River Friday, which is another dance crave, craze sweeping the nation. And we will be celebrating Joshy Boy's birthday. Brian, guess what kind of cake Joshy Boy likes? Can I guess chocolate? He likes chocolate icing. That's correct. And does he like it chocolate inside? Does he like yellow cake? Does he want chocolate with carrot cake or I'm going to say he doesn't want carrot cake. Okay. So we'll eliminate carrot um, cake. So far, so good. I, I I don't think you would want yellow cake inside chocolate, but that's I what, could be wrong. That's what he wants. He wants yellow, yellow cake. Yep. So he likes it with yellow. I like chocolate on chocolate. I'm like uh, Titan's Bill. I still like the uh, mint icing, the green icing on chocolate cake. It's still my my favorite. How about you, Cinco? You have a favorite kind of birthday cake in honor of Joshy Boy's birthday on Friday, which we will celebrate at Calhoun. Just come out. We're going to sing happy birthday cake to him. I like a little uh, Italian cream wedding cake. Interesting. That's different. Yeah, or or I can do a little German chocolate uh, cake. Oh, I love that. But I'm not a. Uh, uh, I can do a little carrot cake uh, in moderation. But uh, I'm not a cake guy, to be honest with you. You'd never know that. But uh, I don't dig the cake deal. Well, all that here, much. here's my thing. I don't eat sweets like as a as a rule, unless it's on a special occasion. So you're never going to see me eating a cookie. You're never going to see me eating a piece of cake, piece of pie, piece well, of Let me tell you what. That. Let me tell you what about sweets. I'm the same way, but I went to that. By the way, the people that put on that Greek fest over oh, the past weekend. my Rona me. Are you kidding me, Senko? They put on the guy. I went out Sunday. Baklava. Let me tell you what. Those people in that Eastern Orthodox Church are next level, by the way. They're the next level. And they have baklava cheesecake. And let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. Woo! After after one taste of that, I believe I would eat. I I, I believe I would lick the plate of someone else's plate. 
uh, when they're done. That stuff is, I can only have one bite. I mean, it's. That's true. It, it, baklava cheesecake, unbelievable. Yeah. If I left my own devices, started eating that stuff, I would never, and I mean never stop. And I would be like, uh, I mean, it'd be ravenous. But that baklava is so good, it's insane. And those people are so cool. I love those. I love Greeks. The Greeks. I love the Greeks. Back to the phones we go. And I'm not talking about those of you at Tennessee that are in fraternities. I'm talking about real Greeks, you clowns. Hello and welcome into our next call. You're live on the air. Hi. How you? I'm doing good. I got one word in. How you? How are? How how you? Go ahead with your call. I'm sorry. It's it's me, Tony Titans Bill. Hard to believe we got every third word, but go ahead, man. Okay. The man with a bad cell zone in his house. Yeah, I know. I'll tell you what the the situation of it is with the Titans to trade or not to trade. That's the situation well, of it a, is with Derrick Henry. Well, you got to have a fire sale, Bill. Your team's going to win five games. So you might as well win two games and get better draft picks. How many wins do you have right now? Two? Uh, we we have two, but... Hey, I, you might I, as well I, win three or four. I, I, can, I tend Deal to get all your with players. You. Bill, uh-uh. Bill, Bill, you're not a playoff <laughs> contender. I try to tell you this every week. That's why you dealt Bayard. And by the way, what a tremendous human being this Bayard guy is. I've read up on him. He's got just a wonderful reputation... Uh, in that whole area for the type of human being he is, Caduce on him. He's the uh, mayor of Murfreesboro, former MTSU standout. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. Well, I tend to differ with you. I believe. I believe the Titans will will either get five hundred or maybe a five game over five hundred. But. With once, what? Again, once again, Tony, that's the that, game uh, that we all love to play, you and I, and that's agree to disagree. I'm not playing a game. Good. They're going to start. It sounds like they're going to start Levis next game. 500 with Will Levis as your quarterback. Because Tannehill's hurt. Lots of freaking luck with that, man. Well... Also, this could be this could be uh, maybe the last uh, time you'll probably be seeing Derrick Henry in a Titan uniform. What do you want? Maybe after- what is he going to fetch in the open market, Bry? What's Derrick Henry uh, going to fetch? You seen like a fourth, maybe? I don't think as much as he would have a few years ago. I no. wonder how much he's got left. Like a fourth? What do you want for him? Yeah, I, I think something like that. A couple fourths. What do you want for him, Bill? I would say a couple of fourths. Yeah. Because, you guys uh, got to start thinking future, and then you got to hit on these picks. So that was smart yeah. what you did with the Eagles. You flip a guy who has some value at the latter part of his deal uh, for some draft picks. That's, that's how you rebuild your organization in that league. You look in the mirror and you're honest about it. Now, when, when you yeah. trade, I don't know, when you trade a guy in the NFL, do you. Does the new team eat the current contract? Yes, he's on a pretty hefty contract. Yeah, isn't he? yeah, that's that's how that's generally how it's done. Yeah, Tony, if I if I had to maybe pick on where Henry may end up, he could end up with the Cowboys, the Bengals, or or maybe the Lions. 
Eric, you want that him? would be my guess. You want Henry, Eric? You guys want to flip him for a couple fourth round picks? Ewad? <sighs> the Bengals running game has really been it's dreadful. struggling. Yes. Um, but I think it, you know, part of the reason it's been dreadful is because of the same reason that the quarterbacks have been dreadful. The O line's terrible. Run the ball because Joe Burrow, yep. the last couple of weeks has been no threat at all to hurt anybody. And when so, you get him, when you get your quarterback hit like they've gotten him hit his last couple of years, and now that's all taking its toll. It's kind of what Sean was talking about next year with Nico in this league. I mean, hey, Tennessee, and he is. And Sean is right about this. The competition is going to go after the same offensive lineman you're going after. It's one thing to think, oh, you're the only team that's going to have those needs. Uh Uh-uh. Look at Alabama. Alabama is going to be heavy in that transfer market for offensive linemen. Well, not not only that, guys, but take a look. Since since NIL is not pay-for-play, certainly you got to think that some people are going to be sniffing around Nico right now that he's not getting any run. Bill, uh, it makes, you, it makes sense. Bill, do you have anything else for us? Yeah, there's one thing. There's one thing. I'm looking for Jim Harbaugh to be in, back in the NFL. Well, I think Watson Brown's right. Look, if you had a commissioner of college football, at first I thought this scandal was a joke and they were picking on him. But now, and I, look, I'll be wrong. I'm not going to stay wrong. Now that more and more has come out on this, now that you see that it was systemic, now that you see that this guy had a network of people doing it, and he was talking about it, because it appeared on the VolQuest board, it's incredible. Somebody, hey, a buddy of mine, he's up here at Michigan. He's he's in stadiums, and he they're taking films, and you know, it's just like, huh? Anyway, now that we know, and with the reporting that's come out, because they've gotten access to this guy's stuff, now that we know that it's systemic, um, Bill, if you had a commissioner of college football, he'd already be out today. If the commissioner of the Big Ten had any guts and didn't have a couple of BBs, he would be suspended tomorrow because that's what needs to happen. There needs to be integrity in these sports we watch, and that's not integrity. That's just not. No, the way, the Michigan way men, at- Michigan men, you're no different. You're no different. You know, Tony, the bottom line is this. The only one thing I believe the NCAA is wanting to create another gunfight at the OK Corral. If they want to do that, fine. If I were the administration at the University of Michigan, and if I don't care if it's the president, the athletic director, or the chancellor, or the head coach, you want a piece of us, come on. Can you imagine, though, on talk radio up there, how they must be defending him, Sean? Because when you're winning like they're winning right now, and you're living in the playoffs like they're living in the playoffs right now, I mean, would I have the guts to say that on the air up there right now? He's a smart cheater, unlike Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, well, he's, he ain't that smart, Bri. He, he, he hitched his wagon to a guy that talked. And that's how it got on that VolQuest board, and that's how the media found out about it. That's how the NCA found out about it. Well, you know what? There was a there was a thing on there about uh, there was a. It, I don't think you said this to Watson, but there was. I was trying to get in, but there there was a picture out there that supposedly, or no, I saw it. I don't know if it's true or doctored, but they were on the sideline and he had a laminated card with the signals on it. 
That was that. I don't think that was a Richard. I have no idea. There's no telling. There's no telling what's fake. I know with these things, I have no idea what to believe or not. But I saw, I saw an assistant (laughs) with a with a with a three ring, you know, ring with laminated cards like they do, and it had the silhouettes of different symbols. I love that guy. I love him. That he was telling his friends about it. Hey, check out this great game. That poor kid, he's going to be coaching with Niedermeyer soon. Back to the phones we go. Hello and welcome in. Hey, Tony. Jake from Memphis. How y'all doing? Hey, Jakey. Hey, Tony, I'm sorry about your Phillies, man, um, but at least that Titans to Eagles pipeline is, is alive and well. Hope it make you feel a little bit better. It really, every, A.J. Brown just set a, or tied a, uh, all-time record in the NFL Five straight games over 125 yards. Thank you, Titan fan. Every day I get on my knees and I thank God for John Robinson for gifting the Eagles you know, a uh, Super Bowl-worthy team. The Titans are the AAA farm club of the Philadelphia Eagles, oh, stop, pretty much. Stop. I love my Titans. You guys quit picking on them. Tony, what, what this sounds... Go ahead. With, with this... With the sign-stealing stuff, I'm just curious, yeah. um, you know, what's keeping the NCAA from allowing in-helmet communicators or transmitters like the NFL does or, like, even high schools do now? I mean, why why is college football the only one that doesn't allow the in-helmet speakers anymore? I don't know. It makes no sense to me. I mean, I feel like that would help with the sign-stealing, would it not? And, in Obviously. fact, I think it would, it would help with our – with our no-huddle offense and make it even faster, wouldn't it? I would think so. I was just curious. I mean, I feel like that would be one easy solution solution to go to, especially, you know, with hearing Watson talk about it, it seems peculiar to me at the very least that, I mean, we've scored on our opening drive five of the seven games this year, and those opening drives are scripted. There's no signs needed. They know the plays. It's such a so, I, it's such a great point. Sure. And then the further and further Tennessee gets away from their scripted stuff, the rougher and rougher it looks at times. And by the way, they did away with this in stadium scouting thing in nineteen ninety four. The uh the coaches association, they all agreed that they they agreed that they wouldn't do it. So it's only been on the books for thirty years, but the Michigan man is gotten caught. And he doesn't have, he doesn't have the character to stand up and say there and say, "Yeah, I got caught. I'm going to blame an underling." That's that's very very high. There are people in high politics that would be very proud of him because that's how those people comport themselves. That's ridiculous. That's that's Rick Pitino esque is what that is. Let somebody else take the fall. Well, what they, Tony, what they it, they have so much detail that if they want to know how many calories. Yep any particular walk-on had that yeah. day, yeah. that report can be brought to them in minutes. He doesn't know, though, Sean. He didn't know. He's a Michigan so man. He's a Michigan man. Better yeah, than he's, you. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit pretty hard for this, I, I think. But, um, Tony, um, hearing Larry Vaught on your on your show the other day yeah. kind of brought me some, uh, some hot flashes, made me sweat, because the way he was talking about his Kentucky football team, if you remember, was, I know it's two different sports, but you remember leading into that first Kentucky basketball game last year, how 100% locked in we were going to win that game with it being Chris Lofton jersey day and the 
Wildcats were struggling. Oh yeah, we were gonna we were gonna pound them. That's what Larry said. Pound them. He said, but Tennessee by twenty. Larry's a little bit of a nega cat, though. You know, we got the nega vols. He's a little bit, which I love. I got time for the nega cats. Well, that's what scares me about this week is is you know, (laughs) this is not a game that we need to look past, and I don't think we are. But I just hope our team isn't either because I don't want. Curse Lofton Jersey night happening again for the football team. But well, well you heard Watson say though, and I appreciate it. Watson, Watson, um, and by the way, Adam Sparks coming up a mere matter of moments with your Knoxville News Sentinel. Watson Brown said forty five or so minutes ago on here, he said this is a game Tennessee will do whatever they want to do as long as they take care of the football. I think Joe Milton will have his biggest night when you total up his running yards and his passing yards in a Tennessee uniform. It's one of the reasons why I'm advocating Nico playing. Now, watch this thing blow up, but this Kentucky team is is just poised to get run over if we don't play down to them. Jake had a great point, though, guys. Sean, the scripted stuff we do is so good to begin these games. And it was great at Florida, and it was great at Alabama. And then after that, it was Katie bar the door. It just kind of folded in on us. What about Watson's assertion that the squirrel white play, wheel route, linebacker, if he throws the ball on time, it's a wide-open, easy touchdown, Sean? I think that's an interesting way to look at that from, from a coach's perspective. I think you have a number of those. I, I don't think that's an isolated case. I think the thing where... Uh, the ball, um, uh, where Castles was, uh, held going into the end zone in the, in the red zone where it got tipped. I think he held on to that a little bit longer. Uh, I think he's, I think he's thinking too much. I don't think he has a lot of confidence in, uh, in his ability right now. And that second guessing, even though it's instantaneous, it, it, it creates delay and delay lets, even the slightest bit lets the defense adjust. We come back. The great Adam Sparks joins of your Knoxville News Sentinel. It's your Tony Basilio show on a Wednesday. Sean Sinclair's here, Brian Hartman. Eric Waddell sitting in with us. Wednesday with Watson, and now we're going to visit on the other side with the great Adam Sparks, breaking it down scientifically after this. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. 
Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today. 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Football season is here, and that means tailgating starts now. Come see us at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard and let us help you get your backyard game ready. We are open Monday through Friday from 7 to 7 and on Saturday from 8 to 4. Go Vols! Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Gentlemen in Baltimore today over at tclub.team who did an incredible job on the blog, and Matt Dixon did a great job as well. Matt Dixon's uh, distillation and his look back at the game over the weekend has got to be read today. 
and then the notes, the snooze notes and snuggets on Josh Heupel and what he's done on fourth down. Jack and Baltimore went back yesterday and looked through every single play and charted uh, Josh Heupel's probability in terms of going for it on fourth down. And it is remarkable how gambling uh, this head coach is a lot more than I thought he was. And I knew, I knew he gambled a lot, but wow. I mean, this guy lives on the edge. Adam Sparks has documented every minute of it thus far. Uh, the Josh Heupel era, he of your Knoxville News Sentinel, fresh off a teleconference with Josh Heupel. Adam, we were talking off the air. One of the things that uh, Josh was asked about was this story that Tennessee all of a sudden is on the periphery of this whole sign-stealing scandal. Who knew Tennessee was going to pop up in that, Adam? Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> um, I think Yahoo Sports was the person that reported it. They've been digging deeper into all the different games that uh, allegedly that Connor Stallion, the Michigan staffer had had uh had set up and sort of a network of in-person scout um but uh yahoo sports i think was the first one to confirm that tennessee was was one of those games uh this morning we actually confirmed that too that he did buy a ticket uh and he did transfer the ticket to another person who attended the game the tennessee kentucky game last year so for people that that Initially, that's a head-scratcher to people. Why would Michigan care about a Tennessee game? But remember, last year at the time of the Kentucky-Tennessee game, the uh, I believe the CFP rankings were about to come out then, and Tennessee was ranked number one in, in the CFP. And so Michigan, looking ahead, said, hey, which teams could we potentially play in the playoff? And, you know, it was, it was about ten different teams, and uh, Tennessee was certainly one of them. And had they not lost South Carolina near the end of the year, that's a very good chance they would have played Tennessee. So they were looking ahead, and, that, and by the way, that's also people also asked the question: Was well, there anything wrong with what they were doing? Yet yeah, it's a couple different violations. Uh, about thirty years ago, the NCAA changed the rules uh, to to the point where you you can't go and do in person scouting ahead of time. You you can't go and scout games. Uh, in person, you can you you know you get you get the video, you get game film and all that, but you can't go in person. And a lot of that is to prevent this from seeing um, signals in person because if you're watching it in, in most camera angles, you're not going to see those signals. But if you go, you can sit in the stands and see them, obviously. And then it's a separate violation if you're if you're using a recording device in anything like that. And so uh, apparently, what they were doing is they were bringing their iPhones and just. Filming, <laughs> filming all up from the stands. Um, so a few violations in there, and they were trying to get a beat on Tennessee. And really, Tennessee would have probably been more valuable to scout Tennessee signals than anybody because, you know, they're heavily signal-based. You can see the, was it, three guys on the sideline. They're, they have the fastest tempo in the country. They certainly did last year, and they had the best offense in the country last year. So if, if, if you could get, like, two seconds ahead of where everybody else was and trying to figure out what they were doing, it'd be pretty valuable, and Michigan knew that. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the whole thing is just so interesting. And to think that he had a network 
And, and I'm sure you've seen this. There's a screenshot that somebody took online. Now, obviously, you got to be careful with this stuff, but uh, one of his friends was bragging over on VolQuest that, yeah. hey, my buddy was uh, looking at us like, hey, we're a potential, and he's scouting for Michigan. Like, huh? Like, like, I mean, imagine this guy doing that. And, Adam, you and I both know as you track stories and you run, people love talking. People love being in the middle of things. People ask me all the time, why do people tell people things? Because they all want to be in the middle of something. And this kid yeah. didn't keep his mouth shut, apparently, right? Uh, yeah, and, and I think what's fascinating, no, no, couldn't keep his mouth shut. There's a lot of screenshots that are coming up now. Again, yeah, you can't trust all of them, but it's, it's out there. And, and, and we do know this happened to some extent. How widely it happened uh, is, is still being investigated and reported on. I think what's fascinating to me, and maybe to fans too, is just how crazy some of these, how controlling some of these coaches can be with all these salaries on the line and their jobs on the line and how ultra-competitive they are. You know, I mean, he was, he's like scouting like Rutgers game. Like, wh- why do you need that? Now, if you look back at the timeline when this apparently started, yep. it was like, what, three years ago or whatever, when, when Harbaugh was sort of on the out. Like, he had, he had turned things around, and so he was pulling out all the stops, apparently, to get that thing back on track, and this is just one of them. And, you know, Harbaugh's sort of an NFL guy. In the NFL, you can send out scouts. You can do that. Even today on the teleconference, after we got done with Josh Heupel, Nick Saban jumped on there, and he was asked similar questions because this guy was scouting Alabama, too, for the same reasons. And uh, he said, you know, when I was in the NFL, uh, this is Saban talking, when I was in the NFL, you could do that. You sent guys around. I mean, I knew guys that were – Fired, uh, fired college coaches I've known over the years that have been employed uh, by NFL teams to go and, and scout for the NFL, advanced scouts, and they travel around and do that. By the way, that's a little trick you can do if you're a if you're a college coach and you get fired, and uh, you know you're then owed a buyout, but you can't go work somewhere else. Otherwise, you don't get that buyout, uh, or it will cut into the buyout if you get paid by somebody else. Well, if you go in and you're an advanced scout for an NFL team, but you're a volunteer, um, you get all your buyout money from the college. Uh-huh. When, your college when your college buyout runs up, then you'll get back pay from the NFL. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one trick that you can do. But, but these coaches, people just do not understand how, how crazy competitive these coaches are. I, I, I knew a... Years and years ago, I knew a, uh, a college basketball coach who got who got hit with some NCAA violations because he was having like, like you, during the off season you can't have certain contact with your with your with your athletes and you can't practice them in certain ways. You know, in the off season you're supposed to have uh, some space there. Well, I, I knew of a, a college basketball coach that got hit with some NCAA violations. Because he was, he was having his managers go and sit up like in the rafters of the of the arena and watch pickup games with his players and keep stats on the pickup game. And so, how many hustle points? How many rebounds? I love it, what, man. What what was the field goal percentage of the guy in the three on three pickup game? That he was he was keeping data on all these things. And it's just, you're thinking what. 
what value is that? And so what value is it that you know the signs of Rutgers or Northwestern? But, you know, anything for an edge. These guys will do anything for an edge. So what did Heupel say? What was Heupel's response to the, the, the news that Michigan was uh, in attendance last year at the Kentucky game? Somebody, somebody from Michigan, a proxy, was there uh, checking things out. Or at the, he at said, the Kentucky he, game, I should say. Go ahead. And he, he said he had just found out about it very recently. Uh, I think what he meant is he found out when there were reports of it, or when people started calling Tennessee <clears throat> with this information. And, and the, the Tennessee, Tennessee didn't know until the reports came out. Um, he, you know, he said, he said he just found out about it, doesn't have much of a reaction now because that was last season. Um, but I asked him, you know, what impact does that have? And he said, well, you know, obviously it has an impact. He said, you're not going to – he said, you could you could obviously change your play call from the sideline based on what the what you know the signals that the other guys do and the opponents do it. But he said, even more so, you just – you can get tipped off really quick of, like, the structure, um, you know, what they're doing with the personnel – those sort of things. I think the way he put it was, you're not going to execute the perfect call based on stealing a sign, but you can get, can get ahead of things and sort of um, you, you can, sort of uh, deductive reasoning. Well, they're not going to do this, this, or this because that's not the sign that they're that they're giving. But they they could do this or that, and, and so it just gets you a little bit of a head and uh, uh, with some things. And he he made the point a couple times in the call that it's offense, defense, special teams. I think we tend to only think about this, that you're stealing offensive signals. But it, it, it goes in all three phases, but especially offensive defense. Yeah, Watson Brown was telling me, he said, you know, he was on his last hours, because this, this is the topic of the day. And um, Watson said, and it's talk all around college football, because I don't remember this. Um, we would be naive to think it hasn't happened. But getting caught doing it is just, and then having it be this extensive. Or now we're in we're in new territory. Watson said that the thing that's really interesting is if you get somebody's defensive signals. We we tend to think this is all offense, right? This is offense reading defense, which is what the media is focused on. Watson said if you are on offense and you know what that defense is going to do. He said, if I know that an opponent is going to all-out blitz, I read that signal. I see that. I see what they're getting. He said, imagine the advantage. Imagine. Sure. Just imagine the advantage. Or like with special teams, if you know somebody's got a trick up their sleeve and they're getting ready to try something, imagine the advantage in that, Adam, if you already, if you already have the answers before you take the test. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when the quarterback is coming up to the line, He's trying to figure out, is that guy coming or is he not coming? Because everything on defense, especially these days, is disguised. Is, is, is he coming or is he not coming? Are they are they in the zone? Are they in a man? I mean, everything pre-snap that you're trying to do, quarterback comes up to the line, he's trying to find the safety right off the bat to try to figure out the coverage. Is it one safety or is it too deep? And then you'll run motion to see, are they in man or are they in zone? Uh You'll see the center usually point to different guys, especially on the second level at linebackers. Everything is trying to identify. You have all these identifiers on offense of trying to just, just you know, almost weed out things that may not happen. So if you already have the answers to all that when you come up there, 
for sure, yeah, it's 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 an enormous advantage. Let's get to the balls. They gonna try anything different on short yardage, or are we gonna keep running the shotgun nonsense and? Well, I mean, here's the thing: is that we tend to look at these things in extremes. Uh, you know, I I got a lot of questions this week from fans that said, "Has you know, does he does Josh Apple even know what under center is? Has he ever run that? We've never done that sort of thing." Well, yeah, he. I remember at the Virginia game with the quarterback sneak. Exactly uh, right. But 2022, remember, I, I wrote about this uh, in the off season after 2021 when they had issued the short yardage and said, you know, why don't they go under center? They could go under center. Well, they actually went under center a number of times with Hendon Hooker in 2022. Even if you look back at the Alabama game last season, Princeton Fant had that uh, touchdown where he was at fullback. Took it, got hit at the line, and then second effort dove over. Uh, I think it was in the second quarter. That was Hendon Hooker under center handing that ball off. So they've done it. Uh, now, why they, they haven't done it that much, I, I don't know. I mean, the counter argument, people say, well, you know, Joe Milton's 6'5", 235. Why, why not put him under center and, and do what he does with that size? Sometimes, sometimes offensive coaches look at that and say, "Well, why not have him be a battering ram from, you know, from five yards back and do that? And maybe his impact is more. Maybe he can see a crease a little better." Now, I tend to think quarterback sneak is just the easiest thing to pull off, and uh, the easiest effective thing to pull off for an offensive football. But that's just not how offensive coaches think much. I, I could see him doing it, but. Sometimes I wonder with, with guys like Josh Heupel if if they want to do it immediately or not, or do they want to just just wait a little bit because they don't want to feel like I told you so from the fan base, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, at some point, I mean, you hate to put it that way because then you're, what you're saying in a roundabout way is it becomes kind of almost about pride. But it's almost like you get married to something and this is just how we're going to do it. That's why I asked you that question. Do you, do you think they're going to tr- – because they're going to get in spots like that probably Saturday night. They're going to get in a few spots like that. And and the one thing this fellow in Baltimore who's a real sicko is going back and going through log sheets counting each play. And I know who he is, so I know he's a real, he's a real like, in-the-weeds kind of gambling guy, like, into all this stuff all this analytics stuff and all this advanced information that's out there that's way beyond me. At any rate, the the takeaway is he's going to go on fourth down. I mean, and he's going to go and he's going to do it in pretty much most spots outside of his 40-yard line, he's going to go for it. So, are they going to try different things or do you think they're going to come right out there in the shotgun Saturday night again? Okay, so yeah, I think I think there are two there are two definite questions, separate questions okay. to the fourth down thing. W- one is, yeah, what are they going to do? Are they going to be under center or shotgun or whatever? That's one question. I think the initial question is, are they going to go for it on fourth and short as much as he has? He'll for sure keep doing that some. I think it's interesting the other day that in the Alabama game, Josh Hopple got a little conservative with his play calling, especially when they were back back toward the end zone after the the fair catch controversial call. And I get that to some extent, but that's not really who he is as a play caller. 
but then when it got to fourth down, he 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 was the opposite of conservative. He was aggressive, and so those weren't like those were kind of incongruent. I don't know if that's the right word, but that that didn't match up. You had conservative play calling, but then when you get to fourth down, you're suddenly aggressive. Um, it it didn't match up, and and I just wonder with Josh Heupel if he's wrestling with himself a little bit because he wants to be aggressive in every way. I think Josh Heupel thinks you you can solve any problem in football by being aggressive. And his personnel and the types of games he's having to coach right now are the opposite of that. I mean, Alabama game was a field position game. Texas A&M, he acknowledged afterward, this is a field position game, and it's not really my cup of tea, but I coached it that way. Well, is Kentucky going to be a field position game? Because Mark Stoops is perfectly happy to coach that type of game. And I think Josh Hoppel just has to figure out, is that the type of game he has to call now where fourth and short you punt? Um, or is he going to stick with what he has and, and try to figure out how to do it with uh, with his personnel? The second part of it is what they're going to do on fourth down when he does go for it. Uh, I, I, the execution, again, he's got to – He's got to decide if their personnel and their execution is good enough to pull that off, regardless of how good the play call is. One of the two fourth and ones the other day, I mean, one, they, they ran into the teeth of the defense. and uh, was, Dylan Sampson uh, had a one-on-one with a linebacker, couldn't make him miss. Most people aren't. They had really good linebackers at Alabama. If Jalen Wright is in the game, he maybe makes that play. Dylan Sampson is elusive, but he is more in open field, not in tight spaces at the offensive line. So they have the wrong personnel in there to pull that playoff. They have the wrong running back in. Um, that's something that could have been fixed in coaching. Um, the other one, the fourth and one, where uh, Joe Milton got stopped, I, I didn't understand that play call. If you go back and look at it, it was either a keeper that was poorly executed because the defensive end wouldn't block or the linebacker on the edge was blocked. Or it was a, an option, and if so, Jalen Wright left too early because he was in front of Milton. He couldn't pitch it. Um, or it was a shovel pass to Jacob Warren, who could not get up up behind the, uh, the 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 edge guys to get the pitch. Whatever it was, it was one of those three calls. And the only way that Josh Heupel said was he was supposed to read the edge, which makes me think it was probably an option play. Um, either of the, those three calls that it was, they were executed poorly. They didn't run it right. Somebody had the wrong assignment. Somebody left too early. Somebody went the wrong way. And you have to know that, that if you're not going to execute that perfectly, or at least really, really well, um, you, you shouldn't be going for it. You should be punting. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. Uh, look, and you know, the thing, the crazy thing is, Joe Milton, as we visit with the Adam Sparks today, Knoxville News Sentinel, he was so good yesterday. He was so good Saturday running with the ball. He looked so much more comfortable with the ball in his hands as a ball carrier initiating in the running game and, and probably at his best day in a Tennessee uniform. And even at that, you don't score in the second half. Yeah, and I, I know we've said this before. Where's Joe Milton rank in terms of their problem? Uh, in this game, it certainly wasn't first. Uh, I don't actually. I don't even know if it was a problem. It was somewhat the second half, but um, I think the hard thing for fans and maybe even some in the media is that even when Joe Milton, even when you need better quarterback play or more dynamic quarterback play, it's sort of a moot point because at least it is to me because Nico would not like they 
wouldn't have done better if Nico was in the game. So there's not a clear alternative to me. So it's, you're just sort of going in circles when you when you look at the quarterback play as if it's going to be fixed. That that first half is as good as you're going to get out of Joe Milton. Yep. That first half was basically the both halves that he played against Clemson, and you know he's got to get some help. You got to figure out something else. Uh, they're not going to play a defense that good the rest of the way, except for Georgia. And so maybe you just say, "Hey, this is what it is," and go beat Kentucky in a close game. Try to beat Missouri in a close game. Who knows with Georgia? And you know you can go to a a Florida Bowl this year with with about nine wins. And um, you know I was talking to somebody this morning, sort of about the state of the program. I was over on campus this morning, and uh, in in the in the football building, and I said, you know, I think the thing with the fan base is. Some fans are focused so much on the peaks and not the valleys of this program under Heifel. The peak is going to be, you know, a playoff run. You would have gotten the playoff last year had it been 12 teams, which it will be next year. Okay, that's fine. That's the peak. You want to try to get in this uh, conversation for a national title. But I think it's even more, maybe as at least as important as to look at the valleys. And if the valleys are 8-4 and four or 9-3, and three, I think you're in good shape, and this year, you know, potentially is is a valley. And if, if it is, and you're nine and three, then that that's phenomenal. I, I think anybody that thought this was going to be a peak year was wrong from the get go. Look at it as a valley year, and, and it's really it, could, it has the potential to be really good if they can finish off strong. That is really well put, and Adam, I appreciate your time. If folks want to. Read your work, interact with you, etc. How do they do so? Yeah, in print, the News Sentinel online, uh, knoxnews.com, and on uh, Twitter or X or whatever, um, at Adam Spark. You're my man. Uh, the Vols are going to play better, right, uh, Saturday? And I think Milton's going to have a big game Saturday night. You concur? Yeah, they're going to win by about a touchdown, I think. Yep, yep. The, he, Josh Happel beats Stoops. He, 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 is, he does pretty well against Stoops. Stoops is, however, that plural is. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they win. Poor Stoops on these off weeks too. He's just uh, unless he has a hoopty in front of him, it's a struggle for him. <laughs> yeah. Good talking to you, brother. Thank you. All right. Good deal. We'll see. And Adam laughed at that. I mean, the truth is, I- I'll tell you this to my panel here. Better win Saturday night. People in our fan base do not take losing to Kentucky and will not take it. From a peak year, valley year, and somewhere in the middle year, the rest of it is what it is, you know, losing to the Alabamas of the world and the Floridas of the world and the Georgias of the world. We're all going to live with that. The Kentucky stuff, especially that Kentucky team, Sean, you do not want to lose to that Kentucky team. You just don't. Sorry, sorry about that. I was muted. The, um, you know, and I don't think it's expectations. Uh, you know, for me it is because I just don't acknowledge Kentucky or Vanderbilt, but or South Carolina. But in re- to be realistic, the games we are losing is because we're playing bad football. Yeah. I mean, the, the Florida bad football. Yeah. Second half of Alabama bad football. South Carolina last year bad football. 
Georgia down there, obviously a superior team in a hostile environment, but there was a lot of bad football played with the penalties, etc. So you should, it's, uh, if, if, you know, if, if we, if we played, uh, you know, Alabama last year to the last second, it would be gut wrenching if we lost, but people say, well, that's some great football. So there's great This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hey, Columbia, this is Sabian Beard with the Columbia Noon Rotary Club with some information and an invitation for you. If you don't already know about Rotary, it's an organization over 100 years old that focuses on service in the community, service through vocation, and service to the next generation. Many of our community figureheads participate in the local Rotary Clubs, and we need your help. Our main fundraiser for our service projects is the legendary Pancake Day, held on Saturday, November 11th from 6 to 4. Tickets are $10 for one or $25 for three, and may be purchased at the door or from any Noon Rotary member. Help us continue to serve your community and enjoy a splendid breakfast with your neighbors. See you there. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.